Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad, it incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving our kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. This is truly a special episode for me. I got to sit down with my lifelong friend, John Hugendorn, who we happened to move on the same street around six, seven years old and have been friends ever since. Uh, However, as you know how life goes, um, there's been years where we haven't spoken. So to sit down and talk about fatherhood was incredible. And it all came about because I saw a post of his son graduating high school, giving this speech as he was uh, the senior class president. And uh, John had his son Johnny when he was in high school. And so I said, bro, let's let's dive into this story from finding out in high school as a senior that you're going to be a dad to then your son, the same high school, being student body president, getting uh, over 22 scholarships, $17,000 in money towards school. And just let's hear it. How did that happen? Let's talk about the last 18 years. Uh, And so that's what we dive into. And I'm really excited for you to hear the story because it's a good one. All right. This is super big treat for me getting to hang out with my lifelong friend john hugendorn how you doing man i'm doing great i'm it's a pleasure that you had me on dude it's so good we drove over the town that i grew up in uh we came over here for a couple days and i probably see john maybe once every three years but we've still stayed in contact and i just love seeing you man yeah absolutely it's a treat yeah man so john and i i moved here to northern california when i was five and then lived in a house for a year and then we moved on to donkey hill road oh yeah donkey and, hill and grizzly court yep and john was my neighbor i think i was seven years old third grade mrs went mrs went mrs went small town yeah so yeah i mean dude that was a long time ago good times yeah a lot of good times playing basketball outside uh watching sports playing sports our town was cool because we could just ride bikes even at little like fourth, fifth grade. I think even in fifth grade, we went to the local school and mm-hmm. would, didn't we ride bikes? Yeah, no, absolutely. We just rode bikes to school. I feel like that's unheard of now in California. It's still a lot of kids still do it here. It's just yeah, crazy. It is crazy. When we pulled in, there was this kid. He's probably gosh, eight years old, just skateboarding down the street. Nobody around. No, that's been one of the benefits to living here and definitely one of the reasons why we have stayed here as long as we have. There's just no worries. Yeah, it's hard to leave that, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, being kids. So when we grew up here, um, there's security guards and security was a lot less less strict back then. We used to screw with them quite a bit as kids and teenagers. That was a lot of fun um, messing with them. But I think they got more strict as as years went on. They have. I don't think the kids uh, push the envelope on them quite so much. We, we have those conversations. <laughs> yeah. Some of the games we used to play with them, some of the things we used to do. Were you there when we did the beatdown game? Yep. 
That was hilarious. I don't think that was either of our ideas, though. No, but it was a good one, whoever came up with it. Yeah. So the B-Town game was, um, there's a few street lights, no sidewalks, it's a gated community, so you just, it wasn't that scary. But we'd hide in the bushes under a, you know, under a street light, so we'd be in the dark, and then we'd see a car coming, and the speed limit's like 25. So one kid would run out, three or four kids would chase him out and pretend to beat him up and then run away and then the goal was to like get a ride home from those people or something oh, yeah. i remember getting a ride home one time i feel so bad the people were so nice oh yeah i think the beatdown game ended we we did it i think it was my freshman year and it was a sheriff oh no you ran out in front of a sheriff a sheriff pulled up and we we were beating you know pretending to beat somebody down <laughs> Luckily, he was nice enough. You know, he was probably on his way home and played into it, you know, with us. And, you know, I think we ended up setting up one of the kids. And Okay, so he kind of went along and tricked. Okay. Yeah, but that was like the end of it. We're like, no, no more. (laughs) Uh, That's funny, man. I remember also, so we live, we had another friend that was pretty tight with us, Ian. Mm -hmm. And, um... We used to trade baseball cards all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember you had a really good signature, so you would autograph baseball cards (laughs) and try and trade them to us (laughs) and say they were autographed. Oh, yeah. Ian probably (laughs) fell for that a couple of times at least. Dude, he was the funniest guy. He was the fun. He's still hilarious. Uh, I wish, I mean, shoot, I never see him, talk to him like once every couple years. His parents are back. In yeah. the community, I see them at the grocery store, the local you know restaurants and things. Yeah, but, I have a soft spot for his mom. She's yeah. she was amazing. Yeah. So, John and I, as we sitting down, we're kind of reminiscing, um, talking about my parents actually made me move schools in seventh grade, and John and I were best friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, hang out every day, sixth grade. You know, getting our clothes ready for the first day of school, oh, stuff yeah. like that. Probably. And then my parents had me move in seventh grade, which I think was a big deal for both of us. Yeah, no, it was uh, definitely life changing. You know, we did everything together. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know a, a day or two that we didn't see each other or talk to each other or hang out. Um, and it kind of, you know, we were kind of discussing this, but it kind of sent me down a little bit of a different road. Not a bad road by any means, but, yeah. um, you know, I kind of had to find my way because I ended up, you know, hanging out with a different crowd. Um, you know, would definitely, you know, change things. I think it's important for parents to, you know, to think about that. You know, it's, it's such a, a balance of like being so involved in your kids' lives that you're making them, you know, th- that you're like too engaged and you're a part of everything to where you also just, the flip side of that is, Hey, this is me and your mom's life. We'll do whatever we want. And you're just going to tag along. Mm-hmm. And my whole point in saying that is, you know, in third, fourth, fifth grade, it, friendships are life forming. Oh yeah. You know? And I, I remember when, you know, when I first was told that you were going to be going to a different school, it, you know, I just remember it being played up like, Oh, things are going to change. You know, you guys live down right across the street from each other. You're going to see each other all the time. And you play into that a little bit and you're like, all right, you know, it won't be so bad, but then we're all on different schedules. You yeah. Know, different schedules, different sports, yep. different everything. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and we lived on the same street. Our parents, well, my parents' house burned down three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yours did too. Both of ours. Man, but you guys rebuilt and stayed. Yeah. And then my parents didn't. But that was four years ago, right? Um, 
three years ago. Well, it might be might have been four years ago. Now. So the your parents still live on that street. Yeah. And my parents did up until four years ago, and yep. I'm 36. So yeah. I mean that's a long time to be yeah. neighbors. So we were neighbors through all of those years, but definitely changed. Yeah. But hopefully now, and then what's crazy is we're sitting here. So I got five kids. You have four. Four. I had to try and beat you at something in life. <laughs> and uh, John's always really good at sports and stuff. So all I could do is produce babies. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I mean, I guess, you know, the hope is that we keep that relationship and kind of can rekindle that now. Yeah. Um, because now we're at the kind of coming up for air of having little kids. Oh yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's silly that, you know, we haven't been able to figure that out, but we have been so busy. Yeah. And now that the kids are getting older, it's like, okay, like I'm actually a little bit of free time on my yeah. hands and definitely. Yeah. All right. So the, the, I want to get into the story because it's a good one. Um, but, uh, first the podcast is called fatherhood field notes. So the beauty is, is every dad's got a story. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, how famous you are. All dads have to figure out fatherhood. It's a struggle for everybody. There's no playbook. It's just figure it out. Um, So that's what the podcast is. And the mantra is really rebel and create. And for me, you know, I I had to learn that in 2015. It's like, what am I rebelling against? And for me, it was rebelling against thinking I was going to do something super successful in life. Like I wanted to run a huge youth center and blah, blah, blah. And didn't work out and realize like all the things I wanted to be respected, to be loved, to leave a mark on this earth. All that stuff was right in front of me. People in my home who, who Mm -hmm. I didn't have to jockey for their attention. And so I realized I wanted to rebel against that desire just to be successful out in the world and then to create this legacy and, and leaving a mark just in my home. So rebel and create can mean, I mean, it could be rebelling against my phone or it could be rebelling against some huge status quo of the world. So what's something that you're currently kind of in a transition of looking at rebelling and creating against? I think for me, the biggest thing is, you know, I've, I'm, I coach, I've coached, you know, for the last 15 years or so with, with the kids and the, well, my oldest just graduated high school and is now at uh, Boise state and, you know, I'm still coaching Luke. And then I think for me, I'm trying to just figure things out with the transition, you know, from the boys to the girls, the two boys are the older uh, yeah, so give two. us the breakdown of the kids. I didn't ask. So Johnny is uh, about 18 and a half. He'll be 19 in May. Luke just turned 15. He's a sophomore in high school. Mia is 12, a seventh grade girl. And then uh, Isabel is nine. She's in fourth grade. So the, I lucked out. The two older are the boys, the two younger are the girls. So, yeah. Yeah. So I've got a little bit of backup if I need it. But for me, you know, trying to just transition, you know, and, and to just get out of that sports mentality, like everything sports, you know, revolving. because that's what it was with the boys. Yes. Everything. It was just like, it, it was like almost like a, a rat race, hmm. you know, you know, how do you get your kid to that next level? You know, like you're taking them to camps, you're, you're sending them to, you know, quarterback coaches and, you know, you're coaching and just investing all of this time and all this, you know, all of a sudden it's like, Oh man, you know, Johnny's gone. You know, I've got Luke for a couple more years. And then the, you know, I've kind of been neglecting the girls in some of those regards and, um, and are the girls super into sports at the same level the oh dudes yeah, were? Absolutely. Probably more so. A couple Izzy's Izzy's the youngest, probably the most competitive of the four. So do you see yourself coaching them or stepping out of that and being in relationship with them in other ways? 
I'm torn with that a little bit. You know, people have joked about me hopping over to the girl side of things. Um, I kind of want to just enjoy it. You know, and I, I kind of miss that. I don't want to say I, I, I skipped out on that opportunity with the, the boys, but it, there's definitely a different mentality when you're coaching them right. versus just enjoying them and as a dad. Dude, that's pretty awesome because I think a lot of times just humans, we get stuck in our ways. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, when we were kind of talking about this before, some of the seventh and eighth grade boys now are looking forward to coming and having you coach them. But you're almost pausing and going, do I want to do that? Just do what I know? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to enjoy my girls' high school years and like yeah. kind of in a different way? Yeah. And man, to think of that now versus when is he when she's moving out, right? Yeah. And say, oh, dang it. I wish I would have just oh, yeah. not coached boys that either aren't my kids or just went and coached the girls because that's what I always knew. Dude, I don't think a lot of people ask themselves those questions. And I love coaching. Don't get me wrong. That's kind of my outlet. I work crazy hours, you know, with Costco. Um, But it's been, there's been some selfish years by all means, you know, crazy work schedule. You know, we talk about it. I work in Santa Rosa, I drive four hours to Fort Bragg for a night game and I drive back to work. You know, sometimes the kids wouldn't see me for two or three days, you know, and I love coaching, but there was years when I was coaching and none of my kids were involved. And mm-hmm. then you're like, sometimes you're, what am I doing right now? Like, I love doing this, but is this for me? Is this for, you know, Luke in two years or Johnny in two years? Like, am I doing it just to get through, you know? But I think I'm at, I, I guess I am at a little bit of a crossroads with it because I would love to coach the girls, but at the same time, I just want to enjoy it. You know? And then you could always come back to that and yeah. coach yeah, grandkids or when the kids move out, if it's something you love. And definitely like Johnny now, when Johnny comes back from college, you know, it's been only been a few times, but I enjoy that time more than I did, did coaching, you know, cause you know, I'm, I'm a pretty intense coach. So, you know, I'm very demanding. I, I expect, uh, you know, high, high level of, um, work. Yeah. You know, I, I expect that work ethic and, and I have high demands when I don't get them, you know, I'm, you let I'm them a know. little bit of a yeller, you know, <laughs> so, but it's good for them. Yeah. Man, so that's cool. So out of that kind of the crossroads, you're you're really looking to create or at least be aware of the relationships that you have, mm-hmm. especially with your daughters, which is huge, man, for, you know, a dad and his daughters. Yeah. And, and sometimes I don't I don't physically like think about those things as silly as that sounds. You know, Roxy's been really good about like, hey, like you need to focus in on the girls too. And like, sometimes I, I, it almost makes me mad, not because she's bringing that to my attention, but that I didn't catch that on my own, mm. Like, man, you're right. Like, you know, I've got to self reflect here and take a step back. Cause there are a lot of things that with the girls that, you know, right now are getting kind of pushed to the side. Cause the boys are, you know, front and center, you know, Johnny would go into boys. He was a big deal for all of us. Yeah. Um, you know, Luke does the three sports and it's like right in front of us. You know, like me, I just had a couple of games this last couple of weeks. I was able to catch two of them, but I had, you know, selfishly scheduled a tournament, not even thinking about her schedule. And I missed a game or two of hers. Luckily, you know, at least I could say I was with Luke, coaching Luke, but it's like, man, I probably should have thought about those things. Yeah. Dude, that's cool though, because I think, I think that one, women don't think that we actually think about those things, right? 
and I get it right. They kind of like, like, and it's good for them to remind us and oh, yeah. whatnot. Um, I was kind of talking with my hands. You couldn't see, but, <laughs> uh, but I think that dudes do care, but, but I think for some reason, sometimes we don't take action on it, mm-hmm. you know? So being aware of it's awesome and then figuring out, okay, how do I take action on this? Um, cause I even notice it with my kids, you know, like I got twins, a boy and a girl, mm-hmm. and it's so easy, you know, for me and Brody to go outside and do certain things. And sometimes I miss out on some of the things that Presley, his twin sister likes to do because it's easier for me. So I try to be in tune with it, mm-hmm. but I'm not always good at it no. for sure. No. But I think that us dads want that, but we just got to go after it and try to make time for both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude, that's beautiful. I love it. So I wanted to come on and hear your story. Um, you and I were on the phone and I don't even know why. Actually it was, I saw a post. Okay. Here's what it was. I saw you post about Johnny going to Boise state and I thought, Oh my gosh, this is really an incredible moment. And it had to be for you too. And I was like, man, I got to capture that story for other dads to hear. So take us back to the beginning of who was Johnny, John Jr. John Jr. So Roxy and I started dating, man, I'm not good with dates, but we, we get Roxy was pregnant with Johnny pretty quick. You know, we, we, um, I think we, when I found out it was my first basketball practice, my senior year. So I was a senior, she was a junior and we, my, there were some suspicions that maybe, you know, we were, we were in uh, McKinleyville for a playoff game for football and she was like out of this world sick, you know? And it was like, man, what's going on? Like for weeks, she was morning sickness and things. And I don't think about those things yeah. and I don't think it crossed her mom's mind. My mom was the one who was like, maybe she's pregnant. You know, and so I remember like not really thinking much of it, like, all right, you know, and I remember we got back and all of a sudden it happened fast. Like, oh, we're going to take her in, see what's going on. Is she pregnant? Is she not? And I remember I had basketball practice. So she went with her mom to the the local uh, doctor or clinic. And I remember her walking into the gym and I was grabbing my uniform, you know, it was a uniform handout. We played, played the next night. And I remember just her walking in and the look on her face. And it was like, oh, damn, this is for real. Like, And it, did you know she was going to the doctor to see if she was yeah, pregnant? Yeah. So you already had this, like, probably this anticipation or worry or yeah. thoughts going through you. And you at basketball practice and then you see her walk in after. Yeah. I mean, it, it was either that or something was really, really seriously going on. You know, it was. But I just remember that look. And then it was the drive home because she she drove. I didn't at the time. And she was giving me a ride home. And I just remember just like the thoughts that were going through my head. I'm sure the thoughts that were going through her head, the conversations we were having back and forward. Like, how do I go home right now and tell mom and dad, you know, how am I supposed to tell my mom and dad this? You know, like it was, that's heavy. It, it was a heavy moment. And I just remember some of those conversations having to walk in and tell, tell them. And, you know, obvious, obviously the initial disappointment, you know, the, in, having to meet up with her parents and have those conversations and me and her brother Curtis were, you know, best friends at the time and having to have that conversation with him was, was pretty awkward. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, I, I knew in my heart of hearts, like there was no other way that I was going to handle it other than like, Hey, I'm going to take the, take this serious, you know, man up, you know, and, and do what I've got to do to make this thing right. And luckily, you know, me and Roxy were compatible, you know, we, we loved each other. Things were going good. Um, you know, we never put it, we never put marriage first with it. If that makes any sense, you know, our, our big thing was like, Hey, before we get married, we, we need to make sure that, you know, we're on the right path. You know, this is going to work out, you know, let's not get married because of Johnny. Let's get married because we are meant for one another first and then things will work out from there. And, um, that was a tough time, man. So she's a junior, you're a senior, you finish school and she's pregnant during school. Yeah. And then that's when, what's, when's Johnny's birthday? May 18th. Okay. So were you, you had graduated already or no, you had him. He was like two weeks old when we got, when we graduated. When you graduated high school, you had a two week old. Oh yeah. And then she was becoming a senior. Yeah. And then did she go finish school? So when we had him, we actually, so I was able to play out basketball. She, she practiced and continued to practice and everything. And then it got to a point where like right around Christmas, it was like, you can't hide it anymore. Like, okay. So you guys weren't telling anybody. We, we kept it under wraps for, a, it was a, it was a quick minute. We tried, yeah. but at a certain point, you know, it was starting to get kind of weird, you know, like she wasn't practicing and then she stopped practicing and then she stopped playing and then people thought she was sick. You know, maybe she had cancer or something of, of that nature. So, you know, um, you know, we ended up, she ended up pulling out and, you know, when we met with my, my parents and her parents and we all met together and figured out like, Hey, what are we going to do here? What's the best course of action? And, you know, cause the community was like, once, once the community caught, it was like wildfire in a negative or very negative, very negative. Um, and I'm not going to lie. That was kind of what fueled me a little bit, you know, to do even better for myself and, and Roxy and, and oh, Johnny. Interesting. Um, because, you know, some of the people that you're closest with or, you know, some of the things you're hearing, they're saying, um, you know, they didn't want me around their kids. I was a bad influence. We all agreed that I would finish out basketball and I would finish my baseball season after that, my senior year. And then I would, I would start to work and people were furious that I, that we came to the agreement that I was being allowed to play sports, knowing that she was pregnant and those things. Dude, when you think back to your family during that time, I mean, clearly you guys had some good support. Mm-hmm. You had to have. Absolutely. So was it just, do you think both of you got lucky with parents who were, who didn't freak out on you or what? Like, like if a parent is about to go through this, what did your parents do that helped you guys not, I mean, not screw the whole thing up? I think that both, both of our parents were just super supportive. I mean, they're just like, is it, it is what it is. We're going to move on from here or what? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they, they took it, you know, for what it was, you know, and they knew where I stood on it and where Roxy stood on it. And, you know, with some of, there were some of her aunts and uncles and, and family members that, you know, recommended we put Johnny up for adoption and things of that, things like that. And it was like, no way. Like, and that, that was, that was probably one of the more hurtful things too, looking Mm. back on it, you know, and me and her still have some of those conversations. Like, no way. Like, what are you like? This is my son. Like, 
whether I'm 18 or I'm 25 or I'm 35, this is my firstborn. And, you know, maybe we didn't do it the right way, but we're going to make it right. And we're going to, you know, go through the proper steps. So my parents were super supportive. Um, I don't know if how much of that was, uh, they didn't really have a choice, but to be, you know, they're not going to be against, you know, you would think they're not going to be against their own child, but, um, but still, I mean, you grew up in a Catholic household, right. And so there was probably some level of expectation and not, not like overly strict anything, Mm -hmm. but also not just like do whatever you want, you know? Um, and same with Roxy's house, you know, yeah, like a, like a family in the community, like yeah. both your families are families in the community, yeah. you know? So you're saying, okay, you had this negative lash and then you had two families who came together and were like, okay, this is what it is. Yeah. And I think, I mean, how amazing too, that the families came together because I think sometimes that doesn't even happen. No, we lucked out. That the, yeah, that her folks and your folks would sit down and go, okay, what are we going to do? And how much did they let you and Roxy have a say? It was pretty much the way we, whatever we were going to do, they were going to support. Really? They, the decision was ours. That's heavy, man. A senior in high school. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I always envisioned myself having a family. I mean, you're growing up, but yeah. I always thought of myself having, you know, at least two or three kids. And to me, you know, just the thoughts that were going through my head was like, Hey, this is my first opportunity to be a dad. And maybe I, like I said, maybe I didn't do this the right way and I'm super, super young and I'm going to have to, to, to eat it and miss a, a pretty heavy chunk of my, you know, my child or not my childhood, but my life early yeah. life. Um, you know, as far as college and some of those things, yeah. but, um, I could never envision somebody else raising my son, Yeah, you know, and, how was that making that decision to go, yo, okay, I'm going to finish school. I'm going to finish these two things that I love. And then I'm going to go to work. It was tough. Cause there was a lot of things, you know, for me, I mean, I wouldn't have gone like division one or anything like that with baseball, but I, I had like the JCs and some small town, small time colleges, you know, looking at me. And, um, I remember the JC Santa Rosa junior college, the coach called me and was super interested in me coming down. And I had to have that conversation like, sorry, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a kid on the way and, and it will, it's going to be work. So there was definitely some things that I, I had to skip and, yeah. and, and I missed out on, but I think that's part of it. You know, um, you know, looking back on it, I wouldn't have things any other way, but you know, it's definitely something I, I put into my boy's ears yeah. and even the girls' ears, you know, and, and kind of plug at them, you know, just make sure you're making the right decisions and, and doing all of the right things because these are some of the things that you're going to miss out on if, if you go down this road. Have you been pretty open with your kids? So I want to come back to, to this moment. Um, but have you been pretty open with your kids about? Oh yeah. Too open. Too open. What do you mean? We, we joke. We, we, I'm a little bit of a jokester, you know? So yeah. some of the things I say, Roxy's like, I can't believe you're telling them that. Um, but no, I, I share stories, you know, I'm very upfront, you know, and that was the thing I think with my mom, probably more so my mom and dad, they knew that, um, I was sexually active, you know, like throughout high school. So they knew that, you know, and so um, you were open with them in high school. I was open with them, you know, and I remember, I remember my mom once, you know, we would party after the football games and, but we never drove, we would never leave. And I remember her asking, you know, you know, she was always plugging away and plugging away. And I remember 
one time, you know, I said, you really want to know? And I just laid it all out and I just straight up, you know, I, I told her, you know, I had my, you know, we drank and, you know, every once in a while we would smoke weed and I was sexually active. Like, you want to know, like, here it is. Um, and she, she took it, you know, I guess as good as you can, but I didn't, I, I didn't feel any reason to hide any of that stuff. If she really wanted to know, you know. Um, so then how do you deal with that with your own kids? I mean, so you've had a son who went through high school. Mm-hmm. So you tell him the things that you did in high school. Yep. And then how do you tell him to respond to those things? My him biggest, personally. My biggest thing would be don't be na- I'm not going to be naive. As a parent, I don't want to be naive to those things. Yeah. And then I want him to be aware of those things that are, you know, either going to be presented to him or they're going to be surrounding him, you know, in his group, you know? So how do you tell your son? Cause this is, this is good. Okay. So how mm-hmm. do you go? I do or don't want you to do these things. And these are the consequences, but then you don't want to paint it in a negative light because he's not a consequence. Yep. So that's a tough, that's a tough thing to navigate. No, absolutely. You know, we were just very clear with what, what happened. Um, you know, and you don't want to say consequences, but in, in some, 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 they, it is in some, some regards, you know, and, and, you know, it, I think we made the right decisions with him in the way that you coached him mm-hmm. to, to make decisions of what he wants to be doing in high school. Yep. And yeah. I think, you know, like with Johnny, you know, I've never had any worries <laughs> and I don't know how much of that is attributed to how open me and Roxy were with him about what, you know, what we had done and some of the decisions we had made, you know, and I think, you know, he's even made that comment before. Like he wants, he doesn't, he wants to make sure he doesn't go down those roads. Um, not that our situation was a negative situation, but you know, he had goals for himself. Yeah. So I think that was the big thing is he set goals for himself early and those things were things he needed to steer away from. And if he wanted to continue in, with, if he goals. didn't want to jeopardize the things he wanted to do. Yep. So what age did you start being open with him? Do you think? Looking back on it, I don't, I don't know if I could put a finger on it. I mean, we were probably middle school, high school. Yeah. Middle school. You know, I think I started having a lot of those conversations with him, not necessarily about that situation specifically in, in his, you know, being yeah. born, but a, a lot of conversations in middle school about, Hey, like these are your best friends now, but I'm telling you right now, one of those 10 kids is going to go down this road. And one of those 10 kids is going to go down that road. And some of the kids that you consider your best friends now probably won't even be in your inner circle and in, in the next five years. Yeah. And so like some, it's flagged some of those conversations about, you know, drugs and you know, the, how have you been able to maintain a, that he trusts you when you talk to him? I mean, I think this just goes with any parent. Mm-hmm. Like Johnny was just in here, you know, half an hour ago before we started recording this and he's, you know, his first year of school, college, super well-spoken, super polite. I walk in, he jumps up, looks me in the eyes, shakes my hand. Like, what more do you want? You know, he's telling me about school and everything Mm -hmm. he's doing. Like, frick, man, how proud. Absolutely. But those are things that you've cultivated in him. Yeah. No, Roxy's been, I mean, Roxy's like the perfect parent. Okay. (laughs) She's hardcore. Yeah. No doubt. She's hardcore. I'm hardcore, but she is the perfect parent. And, you know, um, she, she's tough. She knows when to be tough. She knows, knows when to back off. Um, you know, I think when looking back on it, some of the relationships she has with 
the kids individually or some of the things that I seek. Um, mm. You know, Johnny sometimes will go to her or Luke will go to her about girl stuff before he, they come to me. Um, just because, you know, those relationships that they've developed all those years. And that's just part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes as the, the mom, you know, stays home more often yep. is kind of involved in that. And you're, like you said, man, at, at 19 years old, you went off and you learned how to make money and work to mm-hmm. provide. So there is this other layer of you don't have as much time with them probably. Yeah. So it's finding the ways to build intentional relationship with them. But dude, what a beautiful compliment to give your wife. Well, and she, she, the route she took was just selfless, you know, like she did the daycare as, as much as, you know, it was a nuisance at times. Ran a daycare out of your house. Yeah, we ran the daycare out of the house, but she did that because she wanted, she wanted that time with our kids. Yeah. So she was always, you know, they were always on the perfect sleeping pattern. You know, they were always, you know, took their morning when they woke up, they had their afternoon nap. They were all down at the same time. Feeding schedules were easy. It's like, man, she's got her stuff together here. Um, even with Johnny, you know, like for her to know, like she navigated those things in by all means, her mom and, and my mom helped, but she was able, she had a plan and what she wanted to do and how she wanted things to be. And, and that's how it was like, you know, so even from when she's a senior in high school, yeah. no, I mean, and this doesn't take, this is no knock on the other parents out there, but I saw more of her as a mother, as a senior that I see out of grown women now, you know, like, why do you think that is? What do you think it was just innate in her or she had somebody in, you know, she was looking at, what do you I, think that was? I think, you know, she was, she was brought up and her mom was, a, was a really strong influence. Her, her grandma and mom were strong influences on her. I think she always wanted to be a mom. And I think she just had an idea of how she wanted things to be. You know, she, she did freaking owned you it. Know, you just don't, it, you don't see things like that anymore. Honestly. I mean, not to get too personal, but the breastfeeding, I mean that there, there's so much to be said about that, you know, nature, nurture and that, that how close you are with your kid as you're, you're bringing them up. And she had all of the, she went through all of those steps with each one of our kids. And you can see, you know, like, um, just the, the preschool stuff, you know, the pre preschool teaching them how to, how to talk their letters, their numbers, their colors. Like they were always advanced when they would go to preschool. So like it set them up and set them up on the right path for, you know, their education as well. Dude, moms are amazing, huh? Yeah. Better than us dads sometimes. I know. That's why we're trying <laughs> to do this, man. We got to get dads to keep owning who they are. But the fact that you see that dude, and I don't, I mean, that you see that in her is yeah. really, because I think a lot of dudes there go, I'm at work. You're just here playing all day. You know, if it's, and I don't want to like put everybody in a box that every mom stays home. You don't have to, but dude, we don't appreciate that as much. And and yeah. I love that you're saying that you do, or you did, and you still do. And There's I wasn't a lot to always, be said. I wasn't always as supportive. I mean, yeah, we, some, I, I've made some of those com- comments and I still make some of those comments sometimes like, like, damn it, you're home for <laughs> Christmas break. You're home with all the kids with your teaching. And you know, so I, I haven't always been as supportive as I need to do. And, the, and I, I think that's one thing that I look back on. And it's one thing I need to focus in on more um, is just, I think for Roxy in me, the big thing has always been, um, 
just the simple things like hugs and kisses and, and, and things of that nature. That's been important between the two of you. No, it's something that we've, we have, I, because of me, there hasn't been enough of that affection. Uh. And it's something that Roxy's always, always, you know, wanted from me and, you know, something I need to do, do more of, you know, and set the better example for the kids, especially with the girls. Um, but just looking at back on my childhood, like my mom and dad weren't always like that with me and that's not an excuse, but you know, like it wasn't embedded in me like that. So, um, you know, I've always shown my affection in different ways and, you know, I need to take a step back sometimes and be like, Hey, you know, I need to set that example for the boys. I need to set the example for the girls. Dang, man. It's so good because this is like. This is what us dudes need to be talking about, you know, it's just like being aware of what's going on around. Mm-hmm. Cause I think all of us, we care, we, we want to mm-hmm. care. We want to, we want to be respected and loved and we want to do the things to get that or well, not just get that, but give it to those around us. Uh, but to start talking about it and being aware, dude, it's so good. And marriage is freaking hard, you know, oh, yeah. and raising kids is hard, You know, and sometimes it's just easier to immerse yourself in a work or a hobby Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. Um, But you kind of step out of it sometimes and you go, what really matters? Dude, that's really, really good. Okay. So many thoughts going through my head of things to to ask you. Um, Okay. So I want to go back to you saying that the marriage, you didn't want to put that first. How at 19, so how old were you when you and Roxy got married? I'm horrible with this stuff. We're at uh, 17 years, I believe in, in this last October Our actual. And so we, we have two anniversaries. Yeah. We, we got married on the 13th of October. Um, cause we wanted to move out together. Okay. So we did this back and forth thing after Johnny was born. We'd stay at her parents for a couple of days, stay at my parents for a couple of days. And after a certain point point, you know, you start to wear out your welcome a little bit and you know, like, as much as I love her parents and my parents, you know, and as much as she loves her parents and my parents, you know, you want to be on your own, you know, like you don't need them looking over your shoulder all the time, you know, things that, that stick to me. Like I just being in the hospital, I remember, you know, the, the nurse telling me like that my mom was like checking up on how things were going and how I was, if I was holding Johnny, right. And how I, how I was doing this and how I was doing that. I just remember being so pissed off about it. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is my kid. Like, first of all, like, and I'm not stupid. I know how to hold a baby. And it was just like, it, it just felt like they were always checking up on us. Yeah. And we always had, and that's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a, we were fortunate enough to have parents that cared that much, but at a certain point it's like, Hey, we got to do this on our own. Right. And, and prove ourselves, you know, that in, and take our own path. You know, I don't want to raise John. You know, I, my, my, um, my mom's brother, was you know had a baby and um, my nephew was pretty much raised by my grandparents so it was like seeing that it's like I don't want that mm. I don't want to be here and then every opportunity that you know we're doing this or we're doing that my parents are watching Johnny or your parents are watching Johnny and now all of a sudden they're pretty much raising Johnny like we, I want to let's do this the right way what made you want to do that what made you not just want to say hey let's leave Johnny at my parents house and I'm going to go play baseball and you finish school, do what you want, and then we'll come back together when he's like three or four, you know, and see if this works out. I don't, there was just, it was never a thought. It in was my never mind. even a thought in your mind. Nope. No way. Why like, do so many people just abandon the kid? 
at first, like when, when I first found out she was pregnant, like there was the first thought, like, like it was almost like, Oh man, what did I do? And not so much about the route we were about to take. It was going to, it was selfishly how everybody was going to view it. So maybe it's just like, dude, so that's the moment. So the moment that you made, like you made a hard decision and then another hard decision. And then, I mean, I'm guessing that at a certain point they got a little easier, Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, I think sometimes people go, I'm going to make the easy decision. And then the easy one, the easy one, the easy one. And then before you know it, dude, they're 30 years old. They have nobody, they have nothing, no relationship with their kid. Like that sucks. So I, I just, I wish we could like bottle up that decision you made to like, you're driving home with Roxy and you're like, all right, I'm going to tell my parents, you're going to tell your parents yeah. and you just went, you just went after it. Yeah. I think if you take a step back, the harder, if you make those hard decisions early, like you said, they get easier and then down the road, they're easy. Yeah. I mean, look, dude, we're sitting in your beautiful living room, worth a, worth Christmas tree and pictures <laughs> of all your beautiful kids around here and you and Roxy are together and happy and but if you if you look at it on the flip side, you make the easy decisions early. You put them up for adoption. The one that really pisses me off, and it was never an option, was abortion. Yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? Like the topic of that, you know, and the fact that people even brought that to the table, like, hey, have you thought about this? No, are you kidding me? Like, no, never, ever, like in a million years, that's not going to cross my mind. But people make those easy decisions. And then down the road, they're trying to reconnect with this kid that they never, right. never knew or, or living know, with they, the regret with the kid that they never had. Yep. Man, that sucks. Cause that makes your whole life hard, but you made a lot of hard decisions. Like you said, and missed out on some things, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't trade any of it. No, no. Yeah. Okay. So coming back. So you, you're kind of flip flopping back and forth at each other's houses. You're like, all right, I'm going to do this. We're going to move out. And so then you are working on your own relationship at the same time as you're having a kid mm-hmm. or was your relationship just around Johnny? Like, how did you make it work? How did you make you and Roxy work? Not that it was just all you obviously, but <laughs> I think in the, before Johnny and then the first, you know, through Johnny, maybe through Luke, it was a lot more me, Roxy. And then, you know, and I think as you know, you lose, you lose a little bit of through the process. Like, you know, your parents and you're just in the routine and you know, you got an everyday grind because you had, so then you, how old is Luke? 15. So three years later, Mm -hmm. did you decide you were going to have another kid or did you? Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, we want to have, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Johnny's two or so. Let's have another kid. Yep. And Mia was planned. And Izzy, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Izzy was what you call natural family planning. And, yeah. You know, my dad preached it and no, no way. <laughs> That's so funny. No, not happening. Um, So if you think back over that, how did you and Roxy keep a relationship? And I think, you know, for both of us, you know, there was a lot of things that, you know, strength wise that I would lean on her for. And there was a lot of things that she leaned on me for. And I, you know, selfishly, I think, you know, looking back on it, like there were so many more times when we should have just focused on us. Yeah. Hmm. Um, even now, you know, me and her have those conversations all the time. Like, Hey, we need to take a vacation. The two of us forget the kids. We'll, we'll figure the kids out, but we need to get back to us, you know? And you know, there's years there where it's like, 
you know, the, the arguments were like, well, we're just like roommates. Like, yeah. And I, you know, as much as I regret her ever saying that I created that by not being as affectionate as I needed to be and in tune to her as I needed to be. Um, but I think, you know, you, you get into that grind, like I said, and you know, once you have that second kid and that third kid yeah, man, and it's like, it's just a routine every single day is a routine. And I've honestly, like now that Johnny's left, like I finally start to see that routine maybe breaking up a little bit. Like, okay, you know, now like there's these window of opportunities and you know, I'm really bad at like, I think like, Hey, I want to do this or Hey, I'm going to go do that. And then I don't do them mm. like the, the thoughts there, like, and I just need to start capitalizing on these yeah. things. It's hard though, man. It is so hard. I feel like what's helped me with that is like putting it on the calendar, mm-hmm. but I don't know why probably cause I live and die by it for my work or whatever, but I'm like, okay. And I don't want to disappoint, yeah. <laughs> but if I'm like, Hey, we're going to go on a date or I tell a kid, I'm going to take you to breakfast this Thursday. If I say it and I write it down, then I feel like if I don't, then I'm the biggest douche ever, but it's tough, man. Cause sometimes, you know, by the time it's like eight o'clock at night, it's yeah. like, you're so tired. <laughs> nah, and the grind that I'm in with my hours, like hopefully at some point or another, it cleans itself up. Yeah. I wake up at midnight, 11, you know, on a good day, I wake up at two. That's my regular schedule, 2 a.m. So you wake up at 2 a.m. and then drive an hour. Mm-hmm. And I get home, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock, depending. And you're freaking tired. Fried. And then I got practice because I'm coaching, you know, burning it on both ends, which is, you know, my own problem things that I've created, you know? So that's where like, for me, as much as I love coaching, you know, I think there's so many, there's so much to gain from not coaching. Mm. You know, I've just like all the stuff that I've kind of put on the back burner that are like the most important things to me, you know, I lose, have lost sight in some regards to some of those things. Yeah. But I mean, you, all the time you've spent with your kids coaching, I'll never, no, I'll never get that. I mean, those, those opportunities are, are, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And there's a lot of parents in, in that, that envy that and, you know, wish they had the opportunity to do those. So I've been fortunate enough to have those opportunities. How does somebody, so let's just take a little tangent for a second. If some dad's got young kids right now and he wants to get into coaching, like, what do you do? Cause like you guys are deep now, but at a certain point, you know, maybe you're not in a, sm- a small town or whatever. Like, how do you just, hey, you just go sign up and I'm going to coach baseball or I'm going to coach yep. soccer, even if you don't know crap about it? Yeah, absolutely. You just know, go you figure throw, it out? Yeah. I mean, we run the Youth Basketball League here and, you know, we were constantly looking for, for new parents and, and people to get involved. And that, you know, I I would recommend it, you know. I mean, I think it's a great opportunity, a great bonding opportunity for a dad or a mom to coach and, and get the opportunity. And there's always a need, huh? There's always a need. It's like getting, it's crazy. What, what over the last 10 years from what I've seen, it's unbelievable. We, we struggle to find parents that are willing to put the time and, and the, the efforts in like, okay. So what, what, what's a reasonable amount of time? Like how much time does it really take? If you're just going to be a parent who coaches a team, I mean, it probably depends a little bit on the sport, but so if we're like us, we do a youth basketball league. It's an eight week season. The month of December is for practice. You know, I was pretty hardcore. So, you know, three, three practices a week, an hour and a half a piece. But you could do two a week for an hour. Do, you could do two a week for an hour. Um, 
I'd say you're going to lose to your team. I'd but. say, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say 40 or 50 hours a season is re- reasonable when you're talking games and practice. Dude, what a great investment to give your kids, man. Oh yeah. No. And, and, and that's the one thing I've seen like with Johnny, Johnny is now, you know, he pretty much ran our youth league last year and, you know, he coordinated a lot of the stuff and now he's over in Boise at college and he's, he's refing games. He just got certified. So he refs ba- uh, basketball games and umpire, will umpire baseball. So he's already putting, putting his time and, you know, to the community elsewhere. You know, I mean, he just, I think this last year, he I may have set the record at Middletown for community service. It was like 800 some odd hours. Oh, Johnny did. And a lot of it was basketball involved, but he, he was umpiring baseball games. And that was crazy thing is he was putting more time in, in our local little league umpiring games and a lot of the dads were willing to. And he's a senior in high school. I think it's just that confidence, you know, the parent thinks, well, maybe I didn't play or maybe I don't know the game. You know, you can learn it. You know, the first year I coached, I remember going on like, you know, I knew I had my like playing years to fall back on, but a lot of it, you know, it's different. You know, you got to teach it. You know, a lot of it's just being pretty much being a parent really. Um, I was Googling stuff constantly and YouTube and yeah. teaching myself. And it's all there. It's huh? all there, man. Yeah. If you're a parent listening to this, dude, just do it. Just go sign up freaking for your kids, soccer, baseball, basketball, and just go invest that time. 40 or 50 hours. You think at 80 years old, you're going to regret the 40 hours you spent. It's probably going to be the, some of the best memories you have. Yeah, absolutely, man. And think of the doors that opens too, just to invest in other kids who don't have good parents, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of so many kids who get to play sports who that's like the only parenting they get. Yeah. Now, and, and, you know, coaching through the youth, you know, is one thing I'm doing the high school right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you have the most impact. I mean, you have a lot of impact on the kids at the youth level. Um, but when you get to the kids at the high school level and you got those parents that are split you know, maybe the parents that's not involved at all and you get kids that don't understand what true respect is, you can have a major impact. And I always, you know, have, you know, the sport has come second, you know, I mean, I'm pretty hardcore. I love winning. I hate losing. You know that, um, <laughs> but it's always falls back on, you know, respect and morals, doing the right thing. You know, like I, we were talking to Luke earlier, I, we had a pretty hard practice the other night and it was just one of those things. It's, you know, I've been coaching his group of kids since like third grade. Wow. You know, and I started traveling with them and we did the youth league and we traveled. We'd go to like Santa Cruz. We would always go down to Hardwood Palace in Sacramento and play. We'd take them to Reno. We we're taking them all over the place and investing hours upon hours and days and kids sleeping on our floor, paying for hotel rooms and giving rides and I just had a meltdown, you know, I had a, I was just having a simple conversation and, you know, you overlook a lot of those things, you know, it's like, all right, that's just this kid or they, that's just that kid. And they're just like having these side conversations while I'm trying to talk. They're not making eye contact with me. And it was just like, all right, we're going to, this is where I'm drawing the line in the sand because if you, they don't figure that thing that out now, some of them might not, yeah. they might not have a coach or a teacher between now and they, when they go out into the work world to teach them anything different. And you know, that's where I think I, I enjoy coaching the most is you have that impact and you have those kids come back to you and it's like, Hey, you were hard, but I learned so much from you about respect and hard work and just having that mentality. Um, 
you know, it, that's, those are the nice things. Yeah, man, that stuff's so important. Mm-hmm. You don't that's even so get kids good. these days that'll look you square in the eye and shake your hand. I mean, I'm glad Johnny did because that's been, that's been from day one. Like that's not an option. You know, you, you want to go get a job. But that is far less. It feels as though we don't teach that as much, the importance yep. of that. Yep. And, you know, I've had to work with my son because he's shy a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's okay, but you still have you, you still have to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's hard balance to find. Yeah. You know, and now I think he'll do it. You know, he'll, he will. He'll do it now. But it's almost like a lost art. Like we just let kids, oh, you're shy or, oh, you're not. Okay, you don't have to. Yeah. But you're not setting them up for success. No. To go out and like, dude, the life is about having to do shit you don't want to yeah. do. Man. No, it's it's funny. Coaching the high school, like I said, I learn a lot about my opponents in the first three or four minutes pregame when they're like announcing the teams and they're, the other team comes over and the player, starting player, shake your hand. And just, just the way they shake your hand and they either will or they won't look at you. Like you learn a lot about mm. your opponent in the first couple of minutes. And that's been my thing with my guys. It's always, you better, if you're going to take, take the time to go over there, you better look him in the eye. You better be respectful and you better give him a stern handshake, man, dude, it's old school, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. No. And we need more dads who are listening right now going, yeah, that's right. That's important. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Go do something. Yeah. Let's go do something. Dude. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So coaching, great opportunity. And there's a huge need, huge need. I know. I mean, it seems like every year that our kids play some kind of sport, there's some kind of email that goes out, you know, right as practices are supposed to start. Well, this one team's not going to be able to do it unless a parent steps up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he, ultimately, I mean, we've been running the youth league since Johnny was in second grade. We took over. We got involved with it when he was in second grade, and we've done it every year since. And it's a chunk. It's a chunk of Saturdays for three months. Yeah. It's every Saturday for three months, and we're ready to get out of it um, and just pass it on to somebody yeah. else. But, you know, at the same time, we're not willing to pass it on to somebody that unless they're willing to take to, it on. To, to do the work. And we've tried so hard, but nobody wants to take it, take those things on. Yeah. And like I said, the coaching, it's just crazy. I mean, my high school, I use it as an opportunity for our kids to get their community service in because that's a high school graduation requirement. But our high school kids, you know, whether it's JV or varsity, um, they run they run the scores table. They keep the score. You know, they referee the games. I mean, every year we have four or five groups of kids coaching teams. Like right now, Luke, sophomore in high school, him and his buddy are coaching uh, a fifth, uh, third and fourth grade team. No way. Dude, what a great leadership opportunity. Yeah. Parents are missing out. Parents are missing out. And the fortunate thing is, you know, we're, we run the league, so we're able to plug our kids in. And the, what they're gaining Dude, from that. Dude, what they're gaining from that is huge. Yeah. Dang, that's that's awesome. Well, I, okay, I want to – we're at 50 minutes. Crazy, dude. Good stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. I don't want it to end. Uh, I want to go back on a couple things, um, bring up a couple things. Okay. You said one of the things that fueled you to make sure that you didn't – end up I don't know divorced or whatever people thought was going to happen tell me about that so you said you you figured it out because people were negative and mean I think people were just rooted against us they were rooting against you that's the way I, that's the way I felt I think Rock, I think Roxy would probably say the same thing that's you know? just feels so so that just feels harsher 
like to 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 actually root against. It's like to actually hope it doesn't work out. Yeah, and the four, the the funny thing is, you know, a couple of the people that were rooting against us and had had choice things to say about us, their kids ended up having you know kids in high school. Really, you know, it was like it was almost like that karma. Mm. You know, you don't wish it upon anybody, but it's like you know what, like. Here you are, like I'm an 18-year-old, Roxy's a 17-year-old, as if things aren't going to be hard enough for us. You're a grown adult, and you're pretty much, I mean, that's the way I viewed it. You know, maybe it was, I was in the moment, and it it made me so angry, some of the things you would hear people say. But, you know, it was just like people, I think, I don't know if they expected us to fail, or they are they actually hoped for us to fail so just what do because th- our parents were so tied into the community. Right. What do you think the balance is of like coming alongside and cheering you along to then make everybody else feel like, Oh, I guess this is okay to do versus just rooting against you and just being harsh. Like what's the balance there? I don't know. Maybe, but even as I asked that question, maybe it's just like other kids could see, the sacrifices you guys made. Yeah. And it's not that they were bad. They just were sacrifices, Yep, you know? And so maybe that's just enough. Yeah. I know my younger brother, you know, dealt with some stuff, you know, basically as repercussions of me and Roxy's situation, you know, and it was just like, it was something that continued to linger, um, you know, just with some of the parents, Mm. you know, and no one wants their kid to go down that road. You know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not going to look at Johnny and be like, yeah, go have a kid in high school. Yeah. Cause I know what it took. Um, you know, and, and I'm very strict with the girls and, and those things, but, um, I don't know. It, it was just, it was a weird time. Yeah. Yeah. How many years have you, you, you oh, you said you guys have been married 17 years now. They don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're 36. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And you guys got married. So yeah, you've been 18 years. You've been mm-hmm. together yep. a little over that yep. and you've made it work and you've continued and not even make it work. Like you guys are a pillar in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost came full circle. Everything. Yeah. You I know. mean, you, you, I mean, your wife's the PE coach at the middle school or high school. High school. Yeah. Roxy's the high school PE teacher. I think it just goes to show like we don't need to take things so serious, Mm -hmm. especially if it's not our stuff and to be a little bit more gracious and have mercy for people because you're probably coaching kids of those people now. You know what I mean? I mean, not those exact people, but people you went to high school with now their kids are in high school and you're their, you're their PE teacher. Like the one thing that the kids like to go be at, dude, that's incredible. The work you guys put in, the things that you did, the sacrifices you made, there's just so many nuggets in all of this of how us as parents can be for our kids. Um, how we can treat other people how we view the things that happen with others and, and how to have grace and be supportive absolutely, and to put the hard work in, man, because it just feels as though a lot of people don't put that work in. No, no. And it's all, I mean, with so social media these days, I think the kids just don't, they're not plugged in like they used to be, you know, like we started the conversation with all the things that me and you used to do. We're outdoor constantly, yep. you know, and you don't see it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as much. We're not kicking our kids outside to go play in the dirt and figure it out. No. I mean, and that's another thing to be said about 
like growing up in an area that you can do that kind of stuff. You know, if you're starting to plan for your family, putting your kids in a place where they can have some freedoms, Yeah. you know, freedoms to be outside, freedoms to explore. Like we just were over at um, a neighbor's house that we know, Laura down the street, Laura and Nick, and they needed tortillas for dinner. And my son and their sons rode their 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 bicycles down to the grocery store and went and got them. Yep. Came back, you know. Dude. Unheard of these days. Yeah, it is. It's and it's what a treat, man. Yeah. Um, okay, last thing. If uh, if there's a parent, actually, I'm going to ask you one more thing. But if there's a parent and their kid gets pregnant, what's the any advice? Because you went through that as the kid. What's the advice you'd give to that parent and how to come alongside their kid? I think the biggest thing is just be, be there for them. How though? Like what, how do you be there for them? I think you put your initial thoughts and maybe internal feelings aside, Mm. you know, like thinking back, I mean, there's no way my parents were like, yeah, John, John got his girlfriend pregnant. Right. You know, they, they had high hopes for what I was going to do, whether it was go to school. I mean, I wanted to go down to Pepperdine, you know, live out in Malibu, go to school out there. You know, I wanted to play some baseball, you know, and I think they, they looked past maybe all of those things that they knew that I was going to have to give up to be supportive. You know, same thing for Roxy, you know, Roxy had plans, you know, she was, she's a teacher now, but she initially had joined that Hutchins program uh, with Mm, Sonoma State, got accepted into that and uh, ended up having to put that on the, on the side burner because it just wasn't, it was too much with that and Johnny and, you know, her parents saw those things that she was going to have to give up, but instead of, you know, holding it against them or making those things a burden, you know, I don't, I can't remember a time when, when there was ever a conversation of like, what have you done? You know, like they never made me feel guilty for making, making that decision. Dude. I love, you said they didn't make you feel guilty. And as a parent, sometimes you need to put your own feelings aside Mm -hmm. to really come alongside your kid. Yeah. Dude, that's huge. Okay. Another question popped in my head when you said that how now, as you say, like I had this, wanted to go to Pepperdine, wanted to do this stuff. How do you not have like this resentment or disappointment and like just come home and drink on the couch until you fall asleep and then go to work tomorrow and not be engaged with your kids? Like that's the decision sometimes I feel like people make. I I take a look at it now and, you know, not to take anything away from any of my kids, but you know, I've made, made the comment like Johnny has been my biggest success. Like me and Roxy our up to this point in our lives, our biggest success, because from where we were to where we are now, we went through the whole scholarship process. Like he killed it, you know, and he set himself up. He had a goal for himself. Nothing was going to stand in front of him in his goal. And he did everything he had to do to set himself up to go to, to Boise. So how was that his goal and not your goal? Because I mean, clearly talking to him, mm-hmm. he's not living your life. He's mm-hmm. going to live his own life. Yep. So how, how did you also let go of that and let him do his own thing? There were, it was probably in uh, there at a point during the crossroads with, with coaching, honestly, okay. you know, I, I knew that he could have taken things a, a little bit further and me and him would have those conversations. We butt heads, you know, and you should be working harder and you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And I realized like, Hey, like 
he needs to make those decisions for himself. Mm. And I had to draw those hard lines in the sand for myself. Like, Hey, he's either going to do it or he's not. And you know, for me, I was never going to push on him, you know, because he's not doing sports in college. No, you know, he chose not to do, uh, I would have loved to have seen him try to go out and play baseball, but he, he's had his goals and you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm living a little bit of vicariously through him, you know, him getting to go to college, you know, um, is how much more does that mean to you? Your kid getting to do it uh, than you. It's, it's huge. It's amazing. Huh? It's huge. Uh, it, it, it's, it's fulfilling for me yeah. because I know that I missed out on like a whole chunk of my life, you know, um, in a sense. Right. And now he's, he's getting to fulfill, you know, those things and, and go through those things because and, of the sacrifice that you made. Yeah. And Roxy, clear, yeah, obviously, absolutely. obviously, uh, dude, that's rich, man. And that's, that's real life. Like that's looking at your whole life is important. Mm-hmm. Not just like a five year chunk. Yep. You know, as your kids start to leave and go build their own families, what is the legacy that you want to leave in the sense of, okay, they're going to build their families. What is the thing that in their homes the work that you and Roxy, if that makes sense, kind of put into that. So it was like, they're starting their families and they're going to be dads and moms and blah, blah, blah. What's the legacy that you left? I would say the message I've, I've tried to put through to them. And I think Roxy too, is don't let anything stand in, in between you and what your goals are. Mm. You know, like we, we obviously put up some walls for ourselves way early and things, but now looking back on it, Roxy, Roxy is right now where she would have been if we never had Johnny and she went through that Hutchins program, you know, maybe she missed out on a couple of years of teaching, but she's but doing it now. She's doing it now. So, um, you know, for me, like looking back, like there was other professions that I'll love to have gotten into, but I started from scratch and I've worked my way up and in, into the higher levels of management with the corporation with Costco. Um, you know, I got my eyes set on bigger things for myself too with that. And, um, you know, just don't let anything stand in between, between, you know, your, your own success. Um, and then your, your goals as a family, man, that's so good, dude. I love this time that we got to sit here and just talk about fatherhood and family and life and capture your story and, and all the, I mean, the hard work you and Roxy did and your guys' story is like, it's beautiful, man. It's so good. Um, so bro, kudos to you guys for being such good parents to you for being such a good dad, being so engaged with your kids, sacrificing so much for your family. Like what more could bring fulfillment to a man than to look around? Like I'm looking at the pictures on all your walls and just your beautiful family. Like, dude, you're doing it. Yeah. It's huge. I want more. I want yeah, more, dude, for myself and my family. Yeah, you know? but, but even it's a work that, in progress. Yeah, exactly. It never stops, you know. But see, and I think that's so good because sometimes I get caught up in going, "Oh, when my kids move out, oh, when my kids move out." But like, I look at you and Johnny talking in here, and like, some of your best relationship, like you even kind of said it when he comes home from from school, even the the few times he's come home this first semester, it's like there's this rich relationship that's still growing. It's crazy. It, it's just different. It's different because, you know, even though I'm still his parent, now he's on his own. He's having to make his own waves in life. Now he comes home and we can have conversations about some of those things. Yeah. You don't have to, it, 
you still parent them, yeah. but you don't have to parent them. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. So lastly, as I'm thinking about it, it's like how rewarding you're like at this weird time of life where your first son is left the house and he's going to college and it's super rewarding, but also now there's like a kid not here. That was the probably the the most fulfilling moment and the worst moment. Yeah. Dropping him off at school. <sighs> That's the sickest I think I've ever felt. In my really? Life. Really? I mean, we were so excited for him and everything was just, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just remember like the final hugs <sighs> out in front of his dorm. And I remember crying from basically that hug damn near till we were in Oregon. Just and driving. Just, and it was just silence. <sighs> I'm driving, I'm looking one way, Roxy's looking one way, and it wasn't even something that me and her, I don't know that we just didn't want to talk about it. We were having our own like moment, um, and then we ended up having, you know, conversation started to open itself up, but it was just like, man. Dude, that's heart-wrenching. It's because it's good. You know you're letting them out of the nest, (sighs) you know you've raised them correctly, and that they're, they're ready for that moment, but it's just like, man, I don't want to let go. Yeah. That's all I've known, you know, since I was a kid, 18, you're still a kid. Yeah. As, as much as people don't want to think it when you're 17, 18 year old, Dude, I feel like I'm just starting to grow up, man. Like I'm just starting to figure it out. But that, you know, that's all I ever knew, you know, from 18 until now, you know, was having him every single day. You have that, you know, have those conversations and you see him and you know, um, you're coaching him and you're doing all these other things. And all of a sudden it's just like cold turkey. It's like, (sighs) ah, rip my heart out (laughs) Uh, and you get to do it three more times we might move wherever the girls go I might be moving man (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do that three more times I know that yeah yeah all right man dude keep keep doing what you're doing man you're incredible dad and and husband and friend and uh, it was really special to get to spend this time with you absolutely I appreciate it heck yeah Man, that was such a great conversation. It was really special. John was really my first friend as a kid. I mean, we would do everything together, and it was almost bittersweet to kind of reminisce about that now that we're in our late 30s. But at the same time, how cool that we're making an effort to rekindle that friendship and relationship. As I think about it, you know, for us dudes, we can sometimes lose sight of the importance of our friendships. And I challenge you. You know, reach out to an old friend, move past that awkward, strange feeling um, and just have a phone call, get a beer, go visit them, you know, do something. I think that uh, we need to do what we can to keep those friendships alive. Life is short and we can't always use the excuse that life is too busy. Uh, What a great story that John shared with us just about sacrifice, service and overall fatherhood and just transparency Uh, about marriage and relationship and kids and and his story. It was really just an incredible story to be able to capture. I want to thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's continue to rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. And as always, if this story meant something to you, share it with somebody, write a review um, on iTunes, rate it. That all helps 
to spread the word that fatherhood matters and go on Instagram, Facebook, like us, follow us, share stuff that you dig and uh, go out there and keep being an amazing father. Thank you.